310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan on the football field. We don't want to coach average. Why don't we be around you? Why be around average? We do want to win because winning is the epitome of team effort. Every coach who ever put a whistle around their neck strives to be the head coach at The Ohio State University. Welcome to episode eight of the Buckeye Bar, guys. I'm Mike. And I'm John. We are here on Buckeye Bar Talk, uh, the network. Um, how you doing tonight, John? I'm good, Mike. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Uh, tonight's we're Wednesday here. It's the 23rd. Uh, been, uh, it's, uh, weather's been, uh, we've been going from really cold nights to temperatures picking up. It's, you know, September here, uh, yeah. getting into October. So temperature-wise, it's like little bit starting to the kind of head that way a little little cooler than a lot of septembers that i remember um but it's like i said last time it's nice to get some cool weather it's been a really hot summer so it's not bad you know we're getting ready for fall so it's always like i said it's good to get some cool weather in there uh like a little bit colder than what i normally remember september's being though but all in all it's pretty good weather it's not like it's overly rainy or anything it just feels like fall out there yeah um Definitely. Um, so before we get into tonight, we have a big show for tonight. Um, just wanted to uh, remind everybody we're going to have um, our links down in the show description. So uh, just remember to follow us on all of our social media feeds. And um, if you're listening to the podcast on the podcast network of your choice, just uh, if it asks you to give us ratings, please uh, give us good rating. Um, leave comments if they ask you to give comments. Um, and if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, just remember to subscribe to the channel. Uh, we love subscriptions. Um, and then, um, you know, give us our likes, give us comments, make sure you're getting the all notifications. Um, we actually did have a comment on our last video. Let me pull it up real quick. Um, that um, from our episode seven, so our last numbered episode of Buckeye Bar Guys. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was a pretty good comment. Um, it comes from Will Unhinged. Uh, so uh, basically, we said, uh, what's your guys' thoughts on people already saying Ohio State doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs because they only played eight games? Go Bucks! Um, so basically, I responded back to this. Um, thought it was a great question. I have been seeing some of that, too. I know you have also. Right. Um, and basically, my response to it was that, you know, it's kind of funny. It seems like we're you kind of see that some of the comments are coming in from, they're coming in from the Southern schools, uh, mainly the SEC schools and then Clemson fans. Um, these are fans of schools down in the South, Southeast, and um, some Big 12 is also thrown in there. I think they they are getting a little defensive because I think they know, <laughs> know now because of the Big 12 schedules that uh, they're going to probably need some help, and mm -hmm. the Big 10 yeah. does not help them uh, get it back. But you know, the, the funny thing to me on uh, some of the other um, responses from, you know, you see fans from Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and all these schools, the Floridas of the world, that they every year they always come up with the excuses of why Ohio State shouldn't be in the playoffs. But, but then they will tell you every other sentence out of their mouth has how Ohio State can't compete against an SEC school. Right. They would not be able – they would not – they would go 500 in the SEC. I mean, forget about even – winning the sec so i always find that it's kind of i always kind of laugh at it that for somebody who for fans that don't think we have a shot in hell of beating them that they have no problem or they have they always throw it out there how we don't deserve to be in no the playoffs. no desire whatsoever to play us and i don't know if that's 
more so they don't want Ohio State in the playoffs or if they really want a second SEC team in that badly. Um, but this was a great question. Now, I had said on our little Skype call that we had the other day that I truly felt Ohio State was in even with one loss as long as it was you know a good loss that maybe Penn State not by a lot. Um, and if they showed a reasonable control of most games and also if they won you know, the Big Ten title. So I'm not... I'm not going to necessarily double down on that. I mean, I would think about it. Undefeated is for sure they're in. One loss, you get iffy. But with the conference championship, assuming that you don't have, you know, a Big 12 team that goes undefeated or that you don't have some SEC team that really, you know, the top two SEC teams definitely they need to be in. I still think one loss, as long as it's a close game, it's a, you know, as long as it's a good one. If you lose to Rutgers, then you absolutely, you don't deserve to be in the no. playoffs. That's not, but that's not happening. We all know that that's not happening. Yeah. Um, but you lose to Penn State, lose a close one, still win the Big Ten title. And like I said, like a reasonable control of each game that you're at some point, you know, you're up two scores you win by two scores that's not like you're squeaking out every single game you can't have an 0-2 year you can't be 2002 Buckeyes that at the very end you find a way to win like you have to be winning the games but you do not have to beat every single team by 40 points no yeah I definitely uh agree with that um I think that um you know as long as there's not a Iowa or Purdue on the schedule I mean a lot of Buckeye fans like to throw out how the committee screwed them over in those years you gave the way I always look at you it, you gave the committee you gave an a, out to screw you. You gave the committee reasons to not include you, and then you didn't do enough in the Big Ten championship game to just you know overthrow that. Right? They the committee. I mean, we'll see this year. They they have not let a two team two loss team in yet. So I mean, seventeen in my opinion is probably a lost cause as much as everybody wants to argue that that we won the conference championship. You lost twice. They, they put a one loss Alabama in over you. I I have always argued I felt we deserved to be in an eighteen. Um, I thought that was we were that's the year I truly believe we were screwed. Um, but again, you had a bad loss and you didn't do enough in the conference championship game to really uh you know you didn't make the committee put you in see the 2014 buckeyes they made the committee put them in the 59 to nothing that was like the explanation explanation point on that night and the committee had no choice i mean they would have looked foolish if uh, i mean every media head and their brothers besides mark may was saying how ohio state you know deserved to get into the playoff after that game so i mean you have to you can't have a bad loss and if you do have a bad loss you have to make it up and and 15 15's uncharted territory cuz you lost to a team that won the big 10 title and they got thrashed and because of the sequence of those events you got the benefit of the doubt when you probably shouldn't had in 16 yeah 17, like you said, one, they lost twice. I call it what you want to. They got thrashed by Clemson in the playoffs the year before. Yeah. So And Michigan State got thrashed the year before right. that. So the Big Ten after the Big winning Ten and, really didn't do itself favors for two years. You know, they won the national title in fourteen, but then they had two awful playoff appearances back to back. Um, and then your the favorite of your conference gets blown out in two I mean, I, I've always, I mean, I've joked around about this, but it's true. You know, Iowa doesn't score 55 points against Big Ten schools. No. I mean, I don't, they don't score usually 55 points when against they, the bad schools uh, they, play. they play, you know, their whatever their max school is. Their, right. You know, hell, they lose some of those games sometimes. Yeah, they don't, 
they're not they're Ference's teams are never built to score that many points in a game. They're ball control games that rely on, you know, defense, running the ball and throwing the ball to tight ends. Yeah. You when you think of that, you don't think of, hey, we're gonna go out and score fifty five points. He's like perpetually stuck in trestle ball. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> true. Mm-hmm. He, um so it's just you never so I like I said, you just you had two bad Big Ten showings in the playoff, and then you had two horrible Ohio State losses after right. that. Because Oklahoma wasn't pretty either. You yeah. couldn't do anything all game, and then you just let it get away from you at the end of it. Yeah. So, and then I think, but last year we we proved last year we deserved to be in the playoff. Um, it hurts now looking back on that because you think that they should have had they should have won that game easily. The way you look how that game unfolds. They didn't, you know, at the end of the day, the scoreboard is what all that matters. They lost, but they, and you know, coming into that, actually going into that game, what I said is obviously I want to win the game, but the biggest thing that I want them is I want them to show that they prove, prove that to me that they belong there. Right. And then they did prove that they belong there. And then you, when you realize how many points they left out on the field, and then it's like, man, we could have easily won that game. That but. sucked. Yeah. I, and I think some people, their issue with the committee at times can be also that, how did Ohio State go into the championship weekend last year, number one, and they weren't number one in the playoff selection? But look what else you did to Georgia. So you can't look at the end results, too. Look what else you did to Oklahoma. Look what they did to Clemson. Yeah. And now, I don't I don't think LSU would have handled Ohio State the way they handled Clemson because they would have had the same issues Clemson did. You still got to beat Damon Arnett and Jeffrey Okuda. Yeah. And, and I, Sean Wade. And I always well, wonder. Sean Wade would have yeah. been out for a half. Actually, no, 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 he, he wouldn't, wouldn't have been out at all. Yeah, because that was in the first half that yep. he got ejected. And I always wondered how how Joe. I mean, every great quarterback has their one bad game. Yeah, and I I always won. I mean, if you gave me a choice, nine times out of ten, I think Joe handles the game perfectly fine. Yeah, but that one game does him playing Ohio State become too much for him because um, mentally become too. Not that he couldn't handle himself against Ohio State's defense. Ohio State had a really good defense, but right. Joe's a really great quarterback. I mean, we're starting to see that in the first couple of weeks of the NFL that, I mean, he can handle himself out there. Joe's it's, a cool customer. It's just there's an emotional level to that. that you're playing your old school, the school that you went to. You know, can he mentally, would he mentally be able to handle that? Right. And I, I mean, I don't want to speculate too much. I think Ohio State would have played a much better game than Clemson did, though. They could have won. I don't know if they would have. Like I just said, Joe's a cool customer. He did it to everyone all year long, so he might have done it to Ohio State as well. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of um, – uh, that was a really good question, you know, and I kind of made a little zinger in there at the end of that. Uh, my response to it was, you know, basically they're going to be the same. These are the same fans that are complaining that they don't deserve to be in that are going to complain if Ohio State wins the national title – well, they only played nine games. Right. They, were their fr- they were the freshest team out there, so of course they're going to win. And There's you know, nothing. I mean, there's always an excuse to something. Do you, I mean, do you honestly think two games is enough to say that someone's more fresh than someone else for a national title? <laughs> honestly, like, it's if, if to- you were on the other side of the coin, if Alabama came in 9-0, and kicked the crap out of everybody, wins the national title, and Ohio State won 11-0, would you claim that? No, and they're not going to be more fresh because, you know, okay, you're playing maybe a couple more weeks, but... Big Ten, we've already talked about this before. The Big Ten didn't do themselves any favors no, by that's a and you're playing you're 11 all games conf- in a row. You're playing all conference games. I don't right. care how easy your schedule supposedly. I mean, you got to beat the teams that are in front of you, and you know you still got to play. The SEC gets buys. Yeah, you still play. 
you're still playing Franklin and, you know, Penn State. You're going to have to play your arch rival at the end of the year, which, right. you know, I don't care how bad we've kicked their, the crap out of them the last couple of years. That's still an emotional game. I mean, and you they still have NFL guys on their team. Well, and you saw, look how hung up we were last year at Wisconsin. The second half, I mean, the first half of the game in the, in the Big Ten title, I mean, you, they were sleepwalking through it. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, I'm not saying that Wisconsin didn't have a good game plan. I mean, Wisconsin literally looked at their film and was like, all right, this is what Ohio State did to us, so this is what we're going to do back to them. Right. But Ohio State was sleepwalking in that first half of that. I mean, who they they threw out some, you know, curveballs, some wrenches into Ohio State also that you don't think Jack Cohn's running like that in the first half. No. But, um, but so, and then you, I mean... I don't care if Mel Tucker's new and stuff. I know the type of coaches he's a, he's very much on uh he's going to have a lot of the similar mindsets that D'Antonio has. And you know, that's a, that's a physical game. And again, right. I don't care how much we've beat up on them the last couple of years. You know, that's still, that's a hard hitting game. I mean, last year, that was one of the hardest first halves that I've seen Ohio State play all year last year. Right. I mean, that was a very physical game in early in that game. So and then you're, t- you're talking, usually you get, you know, a couple weeks, few weeks that you get to rest from championship week and to your playoff game Ohio State makes it through that and you got not even two weeks yeah right because so, yeah, it'll yeah I mean just two weeks yeah 19th is the final game and it's New Year's Day is it's a Friday yeah, so, so yeah it was you don't got a lot of time to recover from that yeah um, so, again, great question. Um, definitely we want to hear more questions. Um, we'll, we always uh, I think if uh, we get good questions, we're going to definitely try to, you know, throw one or two up. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll read them on here. And, for you sure. know, and if we start getting more questions, you know, we might even do a, a question answer show. And we'll always answer them on YouTube also. Yeah. So or uh, Facebook, any forum that you guys write us a question on, we will answer that. for Yeah. You. Um, but we appreciate the question and appreciate the listen. Yeah, thank you. Will and Hinged. All right. So um, yesterday, um Carrie Combs and um, Marcus Williams and, and Seven Banks had a press conference. Yeah. Um, before we get into it, a uh, little outdated information from yesterday into today um, is that. So yesterday um, we were still waiting for um, Sean Way to rejoin the team. Um, basically, the way Kerry put it during his part of the press conference was that um, he has um, – he hadn't officially passed the the testing protocols yet to get back onto the field because right. you know he was away from the team. So I think he had to do some tests and probably sit out a little bit. Um, but as of today, he's back on the field. So yeah. you know that's where it's outdated. He threw out there on Sean Wade himself on Twitter that uh, he was glad to be back. Um, so it was um, it was an interesting um, press conference. I felt um, it's still a Zoom press conference. You know the reporters. That's uh, you know it's still kind of hard to kind of get used to that. It, uh, it doesn't feel the same, but um, and now I know what all of our beat reporters' faces look like. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> Besides, I mean, I follow most of them on Twitter, but you know, there's you, you never saw them before when they're asking questions. Uh, and it's the one that I wish maybe during regular press conference maybe they were real. Cl- Sometimes they're not as clear of who's asking what questions. Yeah. So I mean, if you listen to enough of these press conferences, you know. Each one's voice is pretty sure. good, but um, so um, basically, Marcus started off the um, the press conference. Um, actually, one of the interesting things I thought he said is that you know he was asked about um, playing, you know, if he's playing slot or they all moving around, and basically said right now he's primarily playing the slot, but you know they're all moving around, yeah. and um, 
which I thought was, it seems like to me, if they're, if that's what they're planning on doing, that they're kind of maybe seeming like they might go into actually trying to the run the same similar defense that they ran last year. I think, I think they are. And, um, which I was, I was wondering about, actually, I asked you, you know, it wasn't on the show. I asked you, um, if I, you thought they were going to go back to the old style where you played two legitimate safeties. And I think that's kind of how we were both feeling because mm-hmm. that's how Kerry ran it when he was here before. Um, and when you ran a slot corner, you always ran it just with a nickel package. Right. Um, so I figured that was going to be the primary thing, but it seems like maybe they are planning if he's if he's playing as the slot guy, and he didn't say that they are going nickel all the time. That right. you know that it seems like maybe that's maybe the thought process going back into it, which I like. If you can, I love that defense so much last year. Um, it's it's not the easiest defense because you have to have three legitimate corners and that middle corner has to be able to hit. He has to be a thumper because Sean, Sean Wade's a thumper. Yeah. Cause you have to, you're basically taking place of the strong safety. So, I mean, that's important. You have to have somebody that can hit. So, um, so just kind of your thoughts about that. I took the same thing from that as what you did. Um, Carrie kind of alluded to it also now from what they were saying, do you think with Sean now being back at practice though, how does that kind of move things around? Is it just outside? Is that just a rotation with him seven and cam or is someone going to, you know, kind of push in that slot now, move Marcus out of there. What do you, what do you think is going to happen with that? Um, I definitely think because you know Kerry likes to rotate his outside guys. He does. He always liked having at least a third person in the rotation. Um, there's he's definitely going to be doing rotations between the three, and it's going to be between I think uh, Cam Seven and Sean. Well, yeah, with Sean doing the primarily. I mean, he's not. I mean, he might leave the field ten percent of the time. I mean, maybe a little bit more early in the season to get him up to you know game right. speed. I mean, I mean, like we said in the last episode, you know, Ryan did allude that uh, Coach Day did allude that uh, he's going to use the depth a lot more this year than maybe he's relied on in the past because just because it. It is what it is. This yeah, year. Those guys have to be ready because you never know what's going to happen. So um, I think those three are probably your outside guys. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's going to be some sort of rotation in there. Um, and oh God, and Tyreek, what's his last name? Johnson. Okay. I always get between him and uh, Smith. Smith and this stuff, which one's which. Um, so um, he's def- I think he's in the rotation too. So yeah. I could see Tyreek Johnson and um, – Possibly, maybe Marcus do some of the rotation in the middle, and you. I think be, we're going to see um, linebacker rotation in there. I think you could see a second safety in there. That just gives you a whole a, a whole array of different options that they right. can do, and I, I think it kind of opens the field up to where you can. Are we playing with two safeties right now, or are we playing with three corners and one safety? Uh, I think that I think that's kind of the way they do because it makes the defense so much harder to the game plan against. And they showed that for most of the year last year. It's just, I mean, when you had Sean out there at the slot guy, I mean, they could do so many things with Jordan than just playing home run. Yeah. And that, so. Which I don't, I don't know if, you know, is Josh Proctor, is he ready to be that guy? Is he ready to be Jordan Fuller? The, there's a lot of unknowns going to be in that secondary this year. I think the interesting thing between is it him or is it going to be Hooker? I mean, I've heard good things. I mean, before all the COVID stuff happened and before, you know, season got postponed, it sounded like Marcus Hooker was making some plays. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see how it plays out. Now I was thinking, and then I kind of, I kind of thought to myself also, like I made it all right in my head, but, and I know we're going to do a more in depth breakdown of the secondary, but I was thinking about like what we lost. And I'm like, man, this just reminds me of 2016 of all the pieces we lost came back. Weren't quite the same in 17. You know, you only had Denzel Ward coming back. You have Sean Wade coming back this time. It just, it felt eerily similar in that respect. But then I thought about it also. I feel like, well, you know, like Kendall Sheffield, I think he, didn't he end up starting in 17? Yeah. Or he's at least in the rotation as a starter that he, he got a lot of playing time. You know, he wasn't there in 16. So yeah. Cam Brown and Seven Banks and Marcus Williamson, they're definitely further along than, yeah, they, than those guys in 17. So they're more ready right now to step up it's, to it, the challenge than what those guys were. Kind of going off of that, it's that I was actually kind of thinking this before you got over here that, um, you know, last year's team, we had pretty much the same depth as we do now mm-hmm. as the backups, but you had that frontline depth that you never really got to see a lot of the backups because right. of that. I mean, the games were blowouts by the time a lot of those guys got in. And so I actually think that our team, it feels like our team's deeper this year, but it's just more raw. Well, yeah, I don't think you have all that star power on the top yet that you're, you only, you know, when you thought of corners last year, you really only thought Jeffrey Okuda at first. Sean Wade a little bit. You know, Sean Wade, not a little bit. Sean was in there, but you thought Jeffrey Okuda. Yeah. This year you think Sean, but then you're like, you know, Seven's got to be a contributor. Yeah. Cam Brown's got to be a contributor. Marcus Williamson has to contribute. You know, where, and that, if those guys are all doing their jobs with Sean Wade on top of it, that's enough right there to win games. Yeah. But you love having that depth behind them because what could happen? I mean, I want to see what uh, Tyreek Johnson does. I, I mean, I've heard so much about him. I think he's at that point now. I think, you know, the, these guys that get up to the, you know, this level for Ohio State that have not really seen the field, they always go one of two ways. They either, this is the year that they just blow up. Right. Or this is the year that it's kind of like, all right, the, the next round of guys are who kind of takes their spots. Yeah. And so I, 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 and I really think from what I've heard, they, they t- all alluded to him a lot today is that, you know, Tyreek is definitely, uh, he's a gamer and I really want to see him take that next level. And yeah. I think he's going to get some chances this year. Um, is legend going to play? I mean, you know, I mean, he's a freshman, but you know, he's got a crap ton of talent. Um, well, the one, and I, is it Ryan Watts? Yeah, that they stole from Oklahoma. Yeah, Watts. Yeah. So he's he's long. That kid. He's he's a big guy. Like he's another one that he was making plays before it all ended. And I'm looking for him to you know possibly contribute right away also. And you know, and Carrie, and you know, they talked to Carrie about that, and that was one of the things in the press conference um, that he talked about is how much he loves long guys, and you know that's. Sean fits into that. Right. Seven fits into that. And Marcus isn't really in that mold. Um, but, I mean, he loves – I mean, he's the one who actually, uh, you know – Sorry about that. He's the one who actually uh, is the one who um, recruited Marcus. So, he, I mean, he's just – Marcus seemed pretty happy that he finally gets to play with him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> guy recruited him. He's not been able to play uh, play for him. Uh, you know, he's had, uh, had Tabor and then Halfley. And then finally now back to Combs. Um, I, I feel good with Combs coming back. And I think uh, he kind of talked about that today or yesterday is that, you know, I mean, he knows these kids. I mean, right. for the most part, 
within i mean i don't know how much he really he was involved with legend but uh and with watts but i mean he recruited the rest of them right yeah and so he uh he definitely i mean the dude's just a ball of energy i mean even oh yeah the, he has his face mask on and he's you know he's he loves it he you know he thanked all the reporters at the end of it which i thought was really cool yeah about. and that's something actually that i meant to kind of start this off with that you know you and i it's just kind of been like pedal to the metal since we got a season back that we really haven't taken time you know to say thank you to all the beat writers thank you to all the fans thank you to the nebraska players nebraska yeah. parents ohio state parents randy wade especially so i mean we kept saying that you know if we kept if we kept pressing that eventually they would revisit it and i know it's not necessarily from like you and i saying anything but a collective effort we made it happen so that's yeah. awesome so yeah, oh definitely. Um it's definitely a lot of uh thanks and praise needs to go around. Mm-hmm. Um and I hope when uh that thirty for thirty is made when Ohio State wins the national title this year that uh they talk about all the fans they, that they wanted to talk about that. That should definitely be uh pointed out and that um but Kerry, uh, again, like I said, is just pure ball of energy. <laughs> I, I love the part when uh, Tim A asked him about how uh, he, uh, about I heard you just became a grandfather again. He's like, yep, eight under seven. Uh, his kids are fertile. How his kids are so fertile. <laughs> Don't put that on Twitter. <laughs> right. I yeah. should have said that. I, I thought that was uh, just classic Kerry uh, no. Combs. He, uh, he is hilarious. What you? I mean, what do you think about what he had to say, though? I, I know we've talked about it, but just it's kind of what we remember the type of player that he likes and yeah but he's always positive even you know i mean when he's talking marcus williams i mean the one i forget what who asked him the question was like you know marcus doesn't really fit the mold and he's like well the kid's a gamer he's uh, you know he comes out he competes um and marcus williamson's been hurt too so yeah and then you know and that's what uh he uh he mentioned to that you know a lot of these guys you know it's time to see now what kind of where they're at because Mm -hmm. you know just how the different injuries have right. affected different. Those are the same kids from before. And um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I, you know, I always liked Kerry Combs. I felt like if first, cause I haven't heard him, you know, talk for a while. I'm like, Oh man, we got so spoiled with Jeff Halfley last year. If you remember just how great of an interview that guy was just how insightful and how well spoken he was with all his interviews. But that carry, you know, he he got on yesterday and just rocked it. Like, yeah, I miss that guy. Yeah, I'm glad he's back. If any, if it couldn't have been Halfley again, I am so happy Jeff or I'm Kerry Combs is back. Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, when you lose a guy like Halfley, I mean, you could go backwards. They they're not going backwards with Kerry Combs, and you know, I mean, I'm not saying he's better than Jeff Halfley neither. No, it's just, I mean, you see where he, he's put guys in the NFL too. Right, I mean, you know. They both have proven to know what they're talking about, yeah. know what they're doing. Um, so I'm definitely interested to see how he takes maybe what Halfley introduced to Ohio State and how he incorporates that on his mm-hmm. own because yeah. I definitely think that's how uh, how Coach Day is going to want it. I mean, that was just much different thing, a much different style of defense when you have that third corner in there and you're just playing a normal base defense with it. Right. Um, I'm definitely interested, and I, I mean – we're going to be doing a a secondary breakdown here um once we get to the defensive side of the bell we're going to start some of our breakdowns tonight here in a minute um we're going to start but um just uh just your last thoughts i mean i don't want to get 
too much into it. I'm looking forward to seeing where this death's at. I think these. Uh, I think. I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised. I feel better that Sean is back, but mm-hmm. I was actually. If this was a normal season, I would have been okay with Sean not being there because I wanted to see what. These, right. And I and I'm not saying that that I wanted Sean to leave. No, don't I don't want anybody to misconstrue that. I'm just like if Sean did decide to leave and then we had a full season, I. Th- was was really looking forward to seeing what this depth could do. I mean, but now at least we have Sean back, and on a shorter season, I'm much more scared about the youth mm-hmm. of the depth. But a lot of the kids, they did get, even though it was a lot of them garbage time last year, a lot of them played, and that was the good thing. So you know, at least there there is a lot of experience coming back. My final thoughts are: it kind of reminds me of going into 2017, which I just talked about. I'm much more confident though. Sean, I don't know if I would say Sean's better at this point of his career than Denzel Ward was. I mean, look at Denzel Ward in the NFL. So I can't necessarily say that, but I think Sean has the capability to be just as good as Denzel Ward was in 2017. And the guys that are stepping into those other spots, they've been in the system longer. They've had the reps. So I think they're more ready to take over than what our corners were in 2017. So I'm excited for it. I think they're going to be fine. Of course, he would love to have, you know, Jeff Okuda back. Who wouldn't want a Jeff Okuda on the team every year? But that's not realistic. You got to lose him every now and then. Now you just need the next one to step yeah, up. Yeah, well, who's the next Jeff Okuda? Who's the next Jeff Okuda, exactly? Yeah. All right. Or who's the next Damon Arnett? Who's the one that's going to, that we said for three, four years, three years that, oh, my God, get this guy off the field. And then yeah, you can't even him. throw on the guy. Yeah. I mean, just proves you wrong. I mean, um. All right, so we're going to start doing some of our breakdowns tonight, sure. um, offensive side of the ball. Um, so we're going to do QB and wide receiver tonight. Um, we'll start with the easiest one, the QB. Um, obviously, Justin's back. QB one. Yeah, so uh, with Fields back, I mean, you know, knock on wood, as long as there's no injuries, I mean, you're set at quarterback. I mean, that's right. what happens when you have a stud quarterback. When you know that that guy is there, then, you know, you got your quarterback. I'm ready to see Justin make. Um, he did so well last year, so I don't want to come off overly critical in any area of his game. Rewatching the Clemson game from last year, though, you know, Justin threw one interception that was on him that he didn't he didn't read where Isaiah Sim, Simmons. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can't. He didn't read where he was on the field. Um, and then, of course, the second one to when he was throwing to Olave in the end zone wasn't really on him. Chris had broke his route. And he fell down once he broke the route. But there is actually counting that one that wasn't really on him. Justin should have thrown four interceptions in that game. Yeah. One should have been returned for a touchdown early in the game. There was another one over the sideline. So just kind of sideline awareness when he's throwing the ball, because that's not a spot where you don't want to be aware of someone, a corner streaking back the other way, because you're going to give up touchdowns that way. Now, he had a great year, and I have all confidence with Ryan Day as his coach that that stuff's going to get shored up this year. But that's something I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing how he progresses in that aspect reading those sidelines because yeah. we know he, he has the arm. He can make the throws. He has, you know, a cannon in the intermediate game. He can throw a hell of a deep ball too, you know, hard. Like it's not just like that. He can throw it far. He can throw the ball hard. So um, legs should obviously be all healed up. He should be ready to rock and roll in the run game. So yeah, I, 
I don't think you're really too scared in the quarterback department as long as Justin Fields is healthy. Yeah. Um, kind of going where I would like to see him to improve is I, I just want to give him his pocket awareness just a little bit better. And, you know, I, I love him that he didn't take a lot of risks last year, that he, he's a smart quarterback in mm-hmm. that thing. Um, I want him to take that next step and just throw incomplete passes instead of taking sacks yeah. necessarily. And I know the kid wants to make a play. I mean, and you got the type of talent that you have. I mean, you're literally, I mean, one guy breaks open, it could be six at any right, moment. Right, right. So, like, I get where he's coming from. Um, but, you know, at the same time, um, I want him to just, you know, take that next progression that you want to be an NFL quarterback. The best things and i forget which nfl quarterback it's it's not the throws you can make it's when the no one to throw it away that's it was a peyton or a tom brady somebody said that you know and and that's not the exact quote but it was basically that's what makes the nfl quarterbacks from the college quarterbacks is you know you know we can make all the throws too but you know it's when a you got to throw the ball out of bounds because you know you just live to play another down yeah and um so I, I want to see him make a little bit better on that. Not that he never threw interceptions, but I want him to take that. Hey, not take the sack. I mean, he, put, he did put him a lot of second and third and longs last year. Yeah, I know what you're saying when he turns his back and starts going the opposite direction, you know, running the other way down the field because he's trying to get away from someone so he can have time to make a play that they ended up sacking him and then you'd put him into that long down situation and then the other thing i kind of want him to work on and then this is not an every time type of thing sometimes he would just get in love with the deep pass um mm-hmm. and it seemed like at times ryan had to be a coach and uh stop calling deep routes to uh, like get him away from throwing i mean i kind of remember the second half of the wisconsin game it seemed like they started everybody started running a lot shorter of routes so it forced him to have to go yeah. short there's always a guy open underneath and you know the one thing Dwayne from you know Dwayne had a cannon of an arm too but Dwayne was very good at you know finding that crossing route across the middle and sometimes I think Justin kind of he has a blinder on for the middle of that field and that intermediate pass again that is that's an NFL throw and that's what NFL quarterbacks live on and that Dwayne Dwayne better than most that I have seen at the college level he could use his arm as an extension to the run game that he could find, you know, three yard passes that he could where placement of that. They could go for 10 yards. So Dwayne did that better than most can. Uh, Justin still had a really, you know, he had still had a 67% completion rating or completion percentage last year. So it's not that, you know, it's not like he was doing too many low percentage throws, but like you said, he, he was trying too much to get those home run balls sometimes that, maybe use those shorter routes to try to get some yards. Yeah. Um, besides that, I mean, he didn't, he's, he's not a court. What I was actually was surprised about last year, you know, his first touchdown is that, uh, you know, that big, what the 50 something yard run that, uh, against Florida Atlantic. Right. And that was kind of the, and I, I know Kirby smart didn't do the dude any favors, but that was kind of like my thought maybe coming into the season is that all oh, this is just, this is just a pure athlete. And he actually proved to me more that he's actually a quarterback. He was more, much more ready uh, to be a quarterback than what we thought. And so or Ryan day is just that quick. I don't yeah, know. So actually gives me a lot of hope for, I'm glad for this season because, you know, I think that he's he going to take the next step. Oh yeah. And fine tuning things because I mean, he was just, I, 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 
what I was nervous about him, and again, I don't want to make it seem like that I'm coming down on anybody. Like, you know, Braxton, when Braxton was quarterback, you know, it was find your if your one guy's not open you take off with the ball right. and that was great for Braxton cuz I mean how many times Braxton took a a play where it should have you know it would have been an incomplete pass or an interception if he did throw it he made a first down out and of he, it. he first down touchdown, touchdown whatever yeah. I mean <laughs> right I mean he you know hit the accelerator and you know he's gone and Justin Fields could definitely do that but he never did and you know for yeah. the most part and so I mean that was the one thing that was the most impressive to me and now I just want to see that the couple little things. I mean, he didn't. He doesn't have any glaring weaknesses. It's just those couple little things. If he fixes those, I mean, he's a top two NFL draft pick. Oh, easily. Um, now with Stroud and Miller, the backups. Um, just before I give him my initial thoughts, like, what do you think? I mean, last year was kind of weird. We didn't. I mean, even though we had two veterans, yeah. There's like. It it's a, like kind of another weird thing with like kind of when we were talking about the secondary earlier. You know, you had you actually had veterans behind him, but I kind of there's part of me kind of feels better <laughs> this year because even though they're pure raw rookies, a freshman that uh, I don't know, maybe it's just I think they have they have higher ceiling with their talent. Well, and nothing against Chris Chuganoff, but yeah, both of them have a much higher ceiling as they're both potential NFL prospects you know they're they have much higher ceilings than what they had last year I don't Gunnar Hoke I mean I don't think anybody would think Gunnar Hoke's really you know a threat to long term that he would be like an NFL starter or anything like that I think we all know that why would you transfer to be a backup yeah you know if that doesn't make any sense so I think that just right there says all we need to know about him um could he be a great backup sure and who knows? Maybe he's maybe he's ahead of where the other two are right now. That he's going to be the first one we see off the bench because he needs to have the more valuable reps out yeah. of everybody for this year. So we'll we'll see who comes off the bench first. You know, in a game that's getting out of hand, or even just to get some reps to see who Ryan Day's going out there with. I'm interested to see that, or at least you know when the depth chart comes out to see who he's listing as his backup quarterback. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I feel much more confident having Stroud and Miller. It seems like we have on that team. It just it seems like we have a just maybe a more potential in the quarterback room, right? Just in case, you oh know, yeah, something happens. Absolutely. Um, now the one thing that does hurt them though is that the lack of spring. So you know, I mean, there's something I don't want to rely on. No, because, no, and that's no. where Gunner could get possibly more reps because you mm-hmm. know, I mean. Heasley's been in the, you know, in the program for the last year. I mean, they they lost all their opportunities, you know, and now it's getting ready to get ready for games. I mean, so I don't know how much of opportunities they're actually going right. to get. And uh, I know Jack Miller. I think he was coming off an injury last season. Yes, he was. So interesting. I I, I definitely like both of their potentials. Um, it'll be kind of interesting. This is going to be kind of, uh, you know. Coach Day kind of gets his first opportunity to now see how he's going to deal with a situation like this right. because, you know, in a couple of months he's getting McCord's going to be joining that room. So I mean, I know we're talking about this year, so, but you know, how is he going to how is he going to deal with that situation now? Because knowing that you got a third man entering the mix next year, and you know, I mean, everything and everything's right now is about Justin and winning the national title, but at the same time. You kind of got to start getting these guys legitimate reps right. here and there. Well, 
And, you know, I was watching highlights of Stroud and Miller. I think Ryan Day's, I mean, McCord, I've seen some highlights of him too. So he's going to get some good quarterbacks coming under to learn under him. So very confident with him, with the quarterback rooms moving forward. Um, Just real quick things that stood out to me about these two watching their highlights though, is just how they can identify space so well. They're both actually really good at it. You can tell that they've both been throwing the ball for a long time, that they weren't athletes. CJ Stroud, actually the first play in his highlight film was him taking off on a scramble. I'm like, well, I thought this guy was, you know, more of a quarterback than this. And he definitely he tried with his legs. He put himself in positions that these are plays that you'll, until he gets stronger, he would never make it the college level. He's not going to make it against better athletes. Yeah. Um, but just his throwing, like his awareness, even him, like I was more impressed with his arm talent than Miller's. And that's saying something because Jack Miller ha- was making great throws in what I was watching. Stroud, though, how he could identify where like space was. And he would put the ball where only a receiver could catch it. So he would, you know, it would back shoulder throws in high school. I mean, these are things that just you don't think of. And he was doing them off the line to scrimmage that he knew exactly where he needed to place the ball for his receiver to be the only one to have a chance to make a play on it. Um, Jack Miller was very much the same, maybe not quite as impressive, but he made a lot of plays. I think he had a little bit more zip on his intermediate passes. They both made good intermediate throws. Though, like I said, they identified when they had those openings, identified it very quickly too. The one thing about Jack, which I'm not sure if it's a positive or not. I saw him going over like a lot of times he went up top over a um, deep safety that was helping a cornerback that I'm not sure when you're playing better competition that that guy can't pick the ball off. So, yeah. but those are all things he's going to learn and again, you they'll know, get better. With yeah. That. I mean, a lot of that too is, uh, that's just kind of like actually having to make those mistakes right. at the next level. I mean, it's, it's when you can throw further than anyone else. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with every other position right. on the field. I mean, you got to learn from top it. level high school talents. I mean, they're playing against kids that right. are nowhere in their leagues. It's, and it's kind of the same when you get to college that, you know, the top level college talents and playing against kids that are more similar than you are in high school. But then eventually you all get to the league and they're all the same. Yeah. Um, so it definitely, I, I watched a little bit of uh, Miller and Strauss, some of their highlight tapes the other night when I was putting some of the stuff together of when what we were going to start with, when we were going to start with quarterbacks. Um, I definitely see a lot what you said. I do see that they both definitely, I think they see their spacings pretty well. They um, go through progressions quickly. It'll be interesting to see how they do um, get, how they shed some of their, I'm the best player on the field, high school type thing going into, uh, you know, college. Um, All right. So, you know, quarterback, I mean, it was pretty the simple one. Feel Uh, safe. um, Now, who are the guys Justin Fields are going to be throwing to? That's like getting exciting by the the minute. That's Um, that's like Christmas. Like this week, uh, you know, Gee Scott Jr. and um, Jackson Smith, you know, Smith, um, they both got their black stripes off. and you still got yeah, Julian Fleming and uh, it's Mookie Cooper. Mookie right? Cooper. Yeah, there as freshmen. And, you know, I've seen, I mean, Fleming's a big dude already. And it's like, yeah. It's like, and I was watching his highlights. That guy, I mean, that guy's probably been jacked since he was in eighth grade. Like, I watched in high school, he was a man playing with boys. So, yeah. Um, and then you only have a guy named Chris Alave and 
Garrett Wilson. It's only Wilson. open like every play. And Garrett Wilson are coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're moving Wilson to the slot, uh, you know, only put him on a more dis- on a disadvantaged safety. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Jamison Williams um, take his next step. Cam uh, Babb's supposed I, to be healthy finally. I, I want to see, uh, you know, can Cam Babb finally, you know, produce, you know, now that he's healthy. So I mean that room is so freaking deep, and the best part about it is you got a. I mean, what we've seen the last two seasons, you have a legitimate coach now coaching right. these guys. I mean, this isn't uh, you know Smith anymore. Uh, that this you know he is just he's got such he's not only he's a great recruiter, but he's just he's, he's a, a great ph- coach. He's a phenomenal coach. Well, we call this an embarrassment of riches, is what this is. Um, so. You lose Ben Victor, Austin Mack, and K.J. Hill. K.J. Hill, and somehow I feel like the room has the potential to be better this year. Yeah. And the thing, yeah, because you're just, now you got Olave still there. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the last two seasons what that dude can do. Right. Um, Garrett Wilson, I mean, if he didn't impress you Last year, I don't know what your you have just your levels of being impressed are just beyond me because I mean the dude made some. You're too hard to make. You're too hard to make happy. I mean the dude made uh, some uh, veteran uh, secondaries look stupid. But Uh, he had what? He had five touchdowns. I think he had forty receptions, close to five hundred yards. Like he didn't just have like it wasn't just highlight catches with him. Yeah. Oh no, he he grinds it out. He makes tough catches. I mean, he's already picking up the Ohio State mantra to go block. I mean, I saw him man, a couple big blocks last year, mm-hmm. you know, down the field. Um, so I mean, he's got just a toughness about him that I love. And he does. He's gonna be just. He's the next big thing. Oh yeah, and that's it's kind of shocking to think, but I mean, he definitely he has a higher ceiling, I I believe. But like, could this guy actually be better than KJ Hill? Yeah, um, I mean, I he probably I has he, he probably has just as good as hands. The only he's I mean, probably a better athlete. I mean, the only thing on him is he's not going to play as many seasons as KJ did. No, no, no. I mean, he's he is in no way a threat to challenge the receptions that KJ yeah. has. Um, but you know, that's what you get. You get a fifth year guy who gets the who decides to stay. You right you get records like that right at a high level. I mean, he could have went in eighteen. Yeah, he would have been drafted in eighteen. Um, you know, this will most likely be our last season with Olave, but nothing better for these rookies, these freshmen coming in when having such veterans in front of them. So now they're going to, you know, they have a veteran coach in Heartline. Mm-hmm. They have veterans in front of them now that have been in the system, you know, Olave for a couple of years, uh, uh, Wilson and Williams for a year. Um, Bab's been there for a while. So, you know, they get to learn under these guys yeah. and, you know, and the cool thing about like receivers is that you have you have your veteran guys that can take they they can do the lot the the every down wide receiver things. Um, these freshmen are going to come in; they're going to make plays this year. And you know, and they're, and what's going to be great about it is that's all the coaches are going to expect out of them. It's oh like, yeah, these guys are going to get put in. It's like you know, just go do you right now and go score a touchdown. And you know, that's what I kind of like about that. That we, you got you have a room where they can actually be 
just go out and make plays because you got the guys in front of them that can do the the gritty, the dirty work. Yeah. And you know, and they can just kind of they don't have they can kind of ease into being where we expect them to be in a year or two when they get all the you know the terminology and what they need to actually be doing the running the routes and you know it's kind of like you know combs he kind of you know brought up in his press conference you know these guys they don't know what they don't know and that's right kind of the best part sometimes about being a freshman is when you don't know what you don't know you can kind of just go out there at times and just make plays i mean you can tell though conceptually that um G. Scott Jr. and Jackson Smith and Jigba, they caught a lot of passes in high school. You can tell that these guys, they're more, I don't want to say further along, but I think they're definitely more comfortable with all the ins and outs with receiving as opposed to maybe a Julian Fleming that came from, you know, the the high run output offense that he came from in high school. Now, Julian Fleming. They ran a wing T at his high school. Yeah, (laughs) he's a freak, though. So that guy, he's going to be good. He just, he might need a year really to start going towards that ceiling, but he's going to make plays as a freshman because he is just that talented that that's something he's going to do. I mean, look at the guy. He's one. He's like faster than everyone else, but he is built, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on uh, Jackson, you know, was it, um, was it a playoff game last year or was it, uh, well, it was like every like, game. It was a regular, he scored what, six touchdowns in one game and had like 300 yards. Yeah, I, I mean, thought it was a playoff game. He was like, over like 200 yards all the time last year. That guy was amazing. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm, he earned a fifth star. I'm just, I'm looking forward to all these guys. And and then you got a dude like Justin Fields throwing it to right. him. It's just, I mean, good luck. Good luck. And like, I was kind of thinking about this, and I know, like, put Justin with Troy Smith, it might be high praise. I don't think it's out of bounds or anything, but maybe, maybe putting Juice Williams in this scenario with Ted Ginn would be more so like a stretch. But I really could see like a kind of 2005 even more high-powered, but... You know, you got your Olave, that's Holmes. You got Juice, that's Teddy, and um, Garrett Wilson's Gonzo. Like, yeah, I could. I mean, I could definitely see it. These guys are so talented. Yeah, and you know, actually, that's a kind of a good uh, just comparison. I mean, I've you know, the last couple years we've had some, we've had a good, we've had good receiving rooms. I mean, oh sure, deep um, too. They and they've been deep, but I. I don't know if we've had a better room since uh, just top level guys since that 05 receiving core. I, I think there's a lot of recency bias, and I don't think people remember how good that that, that group was. Yeah. I mean, I mean when you have San Antonio Holmes, Ted Ginn, and you know Gonzo, you know, go back and watch that 05 Notre Dame game. To oh sure, understand. I mean, but top top three, I can see where you know it's comparable, but top to bottom. This I, we've never had a room like this. Oh no, this is this is crazy. Well, because we've never had a recruiting class like this, no. and then next year's recruiting class, you know, and depending on if we get the kid out of Washington and Mecca, I mean, it's gonna be years to come. I mean, this is this is wild right now. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're not. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Brian Hartline keeps it up. That's awesome. I don't know if we'll see a stretch like this for a long time. This is like you said. This is wild. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so any last thoughts on those? I'm just, I'm super excited. I mean, like I said, you lost a lot. You lost a lot of production out of the room and there's a chance you could be better this year. So I'm just so incredibly excited to see how these receivers do. And if something, you know, if worst case scenario, if you do get that 
horrible injury, you feel confident with the person getting backed up. I mean, of course, if Chris Olave, you know, knock on wood, nothing happens to him. If he gets hurt, you're not excited about it. You know, you're definitely, definitely you're in a worse spot that next day than you were with him in there because even, even as talented as those freshmen are, they're not as good as Chris Olave right now. Yeah. But, but it definitely puts you in, but you feel more confident. You feel more confident. Like, you know, and like you think back in 14, you know, you know, and, and nothing against Evan Spencer. You know, I loved Evan Spencer. You know, Jalen Marshall. I mean, I ended up really liking Jalen Marshall. But, you know, you get really nervous if something would have happened to Devin or mm-hmm. to Michael Thomas. But, like, right now, even if something did happen to Alave or it did happen to Gary Wilson, you ha- there's, there's at least, unless they prove me wrong, there's so much, like, just real potential that right. this freshman can bring to the game. And there's so many of them. And they're all high-level kids that – you think that you're going to nail at least one of them can right. be plugged into play. And I know Jalen Harris and Elijah Gardner, like they haven't gotten a lot of playing time in their careers, but they've been there. They've yeah. caught passes this entire time. So that's again, something that worst case scenario, if one of those, you know, young studs aren't ready to go, at least you have people that have been in the room for a long time. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on um, just uh, quickly. Um, so the SEC does start playing football this week. Yeah. Um, we're not going to touch on any really the other conferences. Um, there's more team cancellations well, I mean, this week. Who yeah. would have time to talk about other football if you're talking about the SEC? Yeah, no, what well, else matters? The wonderful SEC. But, you know, at least we do get some, uh, should be some decent games on TV this weekend yeah. um, from teams that are at least, you know, have some. Uh, so we're just going to run down the list. So the noon games are going to be Florida and Ole Miss and then Kentucky and Auburn. Um, definitely looking forward to Lane. What if what if Lane beats Florida in his first game there? <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't think there's a prayer that he can no. beat Florida. I don't I don't think his team's talented enough to you know beat Florida right now. But but I'm not I'm not. Wouldn't s- that be something though? I'm not sold yet on the Florida as high as everybody's rating them Florida yet. And, um, you know, since Urban left there, I just I can't buy into Florida. There's always some just glaring glaring weakness on that team that they're just incompetent in one area of the game that it's just too much. It makes them so one sided when it gets to you know a big game that you know that they're not going to win that when they get someone with equal or more talent that can do multiple things. And I can't think of what's who's the coach before McElwain. It was a uh, must champ must champ. Okay. So you're, you're proud uh, coach of South Carolina. Yeah, uh, who's doing wonders for them, by the way, yeah. like why that's an, I'm sorry to go off on a tangent, but why do these teams, why would you give a failure a shot at another D one school? Like, you got to have a better option. Especially in your own conference. Right, in your own you, conference. You should have seen how bad he was. The same side of that conference, like the same division. You know how bad of a coach this guy is. He's not going to turn around your program. Why don't you go for some young and up-and-comer that, like, some D2 coach or FB, FCS coach that shows that he's a winner and you get better talent with him to coach? Like, I've never understood how coaches that are failures keep getting other chances. Yeah. Um, definitely for major programs. You definitely agree on that one. Um, so what I was going to say, so, you know, McElwain, who was supposed to be an offensive minded guy, he comes in and it just, again, seemed like Muschamp was still the coach there. No, no offense and a good defense. Good defense. And then I'm kind of getting the same vibes from Mullen. So like until Mullen proves it to me that he's this, 
offensive mind that I think he is. I mean, we saw him at Mississippi State. He was under Urban um, until he gets to where I think he could be. I, it just seems like it's another must champ. It just feels like they have, it feels like they have the talent, but man, they got, I don't know. They got to be able to throw the ball or something. Yeah. I don't know what it is about Florida. They just get, they become so one dimensional in these big games that their defense, it's like, it's like 2016 Ohio state against Clemson. Now your defense can only keep you in there so long. I mean, any of these big games, Florida ends up getting stomped in all of them because their defense just eventually they they break. You can't keep taking it. They can't be on, you can't be on the field that long and think that you're going to keep playing a close game or keep winning. Eventually, you're going to start letting touchdowns get in. Yeah, um, and then in the second game, so Kentucky, um, who's obviously got a benefit that they're uh, they're preseason right now number two. They're not preseason because technically we've had weeks in this year, but they're twenty two because other teams aren't playing. I don't so ever. Um, I have this weird feeling Auburn's going to handle them pretty easily. I think, yeah, Auburn, they'll thrash them. I, I mean, I know Kentucky's gotten better recruiting over the last few years, but I just... That guy's, uh, he's done a hell of a job. But, um... That's I'm still just, Stoops, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, all right, then, so we move on to the 3.30 and 4 o'clock game. So the 3.30 game is defending national champ LSU plays Mississippi state in the pirate. Um, and then, uh, Georgia plays Arkansas. I mean, that'll Mississippi state. That'll be interesting to see, especially, especially with how COVID's affected everything. I mean, you know, Leach does not call the same type of offense as what was there before. So, Oh no, of course, Moorhead was more of a open, playbook though wasn't he yeah he was more spread out than mullins was yeah definitely he's uh so i think their systems fit maybe maybe who he's taken over for it's not going to be too terrible that with the shortened off season but it's not going to help um lsu lost a ton of players to the draft and they lose their best receiver who opted out so that's going to be interesting to see how they look coming back yeah and you know of the players they lost to the loss of the draft you lost the heisman trophy winning quarterback that also set like almost all the D one passing. Records. And I mean, let's also not forget how, I mean, how JV ish their offense looked two years ago oh, compared yeah. to, you know, how varsity is, how much right. they looked last year. They, well, they, it was, that they, was, that was beyond varsity. They looked like a pro team last year. And they, they lose Brady's their coordinator. Yeah, so. they, they took some huge hits on offense. So yeah, I'd be interesting. I mean, of course I love coach. O. <laughs> like, I do too, but uh, I mean, coach O is the greatest soundbite in college football. So if coach O gets a repeat, that guy belongs there. There is no retirement period. He belongs in the college hall of fame the day after that championship game. Yeah. That is that is how far I would bet against them repeating this year. Oh yeah, definitely. Um so then I mean Georgia Arkansas, I mean the only way this game is close is because it was Kirby Smart. I mean, that's just cuz of his unimaginative offense that he runs, but uh I have a yeah, I mean, there's no way I way, don't, way too much talent. They're going to they're going to kill Arkansas. Yeah. And then we get to the later game, so we have Alabama Missouri Vanderbilt, Texas A&M, and Tennessee, South Carolina. So we will start with the Crimson Tide in Missouri. I feel like they should probably handle them. I don't imagine that being close. Um, it's always interesting with Missouri. Kind of who do they have, who do they don't. They just they still to me don't fit into the SEC at all. Right. But, uh, 
And they've never they've never fit into the big games either. No. They've always got thumped in the big games. They can take on that middle middle row teams in the SEC. They can play games with them, but whenever they get one of the big dogs in front of them, they crumble. Um Alabama, I'm actually interested to see and excuse me if I get his name wrong, Mac Jones is their quarterback this yes. year. The guy that came in for two last year. Yeah, I believe that's it. I'm interested to see how he does this year because he wasn't, you know, he didn't have the same allure to him that Tua did. So I don't know if he's going to be able to be as impressive. I doubt he will. I mean, Tua was a generational talent there, at least at the collegiate level. So I'm interested to see what he can do, though. And I know they got the transfer um, from USC, but I, I heard that he's not, I don't think he's ready to, he's not going in front of Mac as far as I know. Yeah, no, I, I, that's what I heard too. It seems like it's uh, right now that he's definitely uh, farther down. Um, so, I mean, Alabama, it would be interesting. I mean, Saban's recruits at Saban levels. I mean, they're still the uh, until they're consistently beat in the SEC, they are going to be the odds on favorite to win the SEC every year. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, yeah, there's absolutely. no Joe Burrows in the conference right now. So I not mean, that we know of, at least. I mean, maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised, but we not that we know of. I mean, A&M Vanderbilt. That, I mean, that's going to be a laugh. Or I mean, Kellamon's Kel- still there at A&M, right? I believe so. I don't know. He is. He didn't graduate last year. I don't know. He. I think he's still there. Yeah. He's still there. Um, so, I mean, Jimbo, that should be a pretty simple game. I don't see uh, I don't see uh, Vanderbilt upsetting them. No, but, you know, Vanderbilt, they always – they have those weird years where they're like, you know, some games they're just super competitive in. And A&M sometimes they just – I like I say a lot of times I think A and M's one of the most overrated teams in college football. I mean Johnny Manziel he didn't even win that much when he was there. He won a lot of games, but they were better than five hundred. But it wasn't like they were national championship teams. And he just like he propelled that team to a status that they have no re- no business being at. No, right they've now. definitely not lived up to that <laughs> status at all. Um, and then finally, my two most favorite fan bases in the sec uh <laughs> tennessee and south carolina and the oh, reason Jesus. why i say that is because i uh, you know I, alabama fans i have no problem when alabama fans talk smack to ohio state mm-hmm. fans it was fun in 2014 some of the the smack talk that oh, went yeah. back and forth between the two fa- fan bases i cannot stand tennessee and south carolina and then their argument, and it's it's always those two fan bases. When a Tennessee or South Carolina fan comes, talks to me, and starts talking smack to me about the Buckeyes being like, you guys are literally telling me right now what Alabama did and what LSU did. Right. And it's like, what did you do? <laughs> like, well, you know, they'll go back to um, 2000 and 2001 against the Buckeyes, the South Carolina fans. Like, two bowl games – that South Carolina is thrilled when they get there. Ohio State, when they're at those low-level bowl games, yeah. and I'm saying what? I mean, what were the Citrus Gator Bowl? I don't even I don't even remember what bowl games those were, but they were something that Ohio State has no desire to ever play in. Yeah. So yeah, they they did beat us twice. Two games that never matter. Two are probably the worst Ohio State teams in the last twenty years. Yeah, I would love to have seen South Carolina. Any year after that year, be any of Jim Trussell's uh, or Urban Meyer's teams that came on after that. Well, I mean, your only chance is 11 against Fickle's team. Yeah. So, and then Tennessee fans, I mean, it's 
It's the Michigan That's, fans of the SEC. I mean, they're delusional. Talk about There's so many delusional fan bases down there. Just going off on, you know, they still mention 1998. So, you know, and then they'll tell you about, you know, just how great they were. I mean, like Ohio State, if, yes, we, we, we look bad against Michigan State. If Ohio State makes that championship game, they kill them. I'm sorry. They would destroy them. Um, T. Martin, who, I mean, and what have you done since then? Nothing. No, they what? They've made a handful of SEC championship games. I don't think they played a single one close. I'm pretty sure they got, you know, their asses handed to them in each one of those. Anytime they played Alabama, I know they did. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Auburn got them too at one of their times that they won the SEC. So, yeah, I'm not, but you can't take them seriously. Yeah. So, I, I just always get a big kick. It's always those two fan bases. I mean, Georgia fans, but at least I will. Georgia fans are like the next step up. They haven't done anything yet, but at least they've made a playoff. See, Georgia, who that's who I consider the Michigan of the South, because, but they have made a playoff. You do have a point there. So maybe Tennessee is more so, but Georgia is another one that you would have swore those guys have 10 national titles in the last 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think they have, do they even have one in 30 years? Maybe, did they got one in the early 80s? It doesn't Herschel win one or oh, I don't know. I don't even know if they have that. So, so they're just yeah, that's they're delusional. I just so many SEC fan bases are. I can you know what? I'll never talk smack to an Alabama fan, or I will, but I will never say like they didn't deserve the championships, or I'll never say they have no room to speak because Alabama's ran college football for the last how many years? Yeah. And the, the South Carolina fans, your guys are not even the best team in your state. So, And that team plays in the ACC. So. Fun fact that I learned the other day, and I don't know how I didn't know this or how I blocked this one out of my head. Some South Carolina fan tried to insult the Buckeyes that the Citadel has more wins against the two South Carolina teams than Ohio State does. I had no idea that within the last couple of years, like someone, they told me it wasn't even long the Citadel has beaten South Carolina, I think, within the last decade. Yeah. How pathetic. That's an insult. Ohio State hasn't lost to a non-Power 5 school in 30 years. Yeah. And who was that? It was BYU in a bowl game. Yeah. And BYU could be a Power 5 school. <laughs> in 1990, I looked it up. Because I, I, I was curious, and every other you know Big Ten team they've lost within the last 10 or 15 years. I think Wisconsin, I think, might have been 03. So they were a little bit further back. But Ohio State was 1990 was the last time that we lost to a non-Power 5 school. So, yeah, the Citadel. Ridiculous. Right. So, at least we'll, with the SEC, we'll at least, uh, we'll get some least You're, you're getting more football in there. It's always a good None thing. None of them have, you know, knock on wood, we haven't gotten any SEC game cancellations. Uh, so, at least be looking forward to at least on Saturday. Yeah, that's disappointing. Some, if some, you guys don't know yet, I'm sure you do, Notre Dame they postponed their game or canceled their game this week. Yeah, so still be interesting to see how things go forward. Um, everybody in the Big Ten is still confident because, again, it's rapid testing of everybody, so it takes the whole contact tracing out of it. Uh, you know, if you're uh, if you test positive, you get removed immediately, and mm -hmm. as long as everybody else is testing negative, you know, they can play. I'm, I'm very confident, guys, that – if the Big Ten's not playing football this year, that means everyone else canceled, too. Yeah. So we're not going to run into what we had before that we got to watch everyone else play, and we're not going to be able to. If it gets to that point, that means everybody's postponed. 
Um, just to go on uh, quickly with just a couple things before we wrap up with the the last uh, thing of the Super League. Um, just a couple things. Buckeyes in the NFL. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna have. It a was big, a rough week, actually. Big segment. Um, you know, if you haven't watched, and I'll try to put it on uh, in, the, in the show notes. Um, if you haven't watched Zeke running that dude over for the Falcons <laughs> in the end zone, I mean, it's one of the my most favorite. I oh mean, my god! About a great play, and I don't even. I don't even know what to compare that to. That's just like. That's being posterized, like in, in you know in basketball. If you're yeah. being dunked on, that's what that happened. That is just, I mean, that's <laughs> that's uh, Bo Jackson over what's his face, um, Boz. Boz. Yeah, Boz I mean, that's just that's I mean, a stronger man that just embarrassed you. Yeah, um, but the the biggest the, the biggest news for on the Ohio State front this weekend was you know uh, Nick Bosa tore his ACL, so he is out for the rest of the year. San Francisco is getting clobbered with injuries yeah, right now. That was like a five-minute uh, span, and they were just done. Yeah, so, I mean, awful. I hate when you, you don't want to see – I. first of all, you don't like to see any football player. I mean, football is such a shortened career to begin with because of how physical it is. Yeah, so, you know, you don't like to see season-ending injuries because – I don't care how good you are. You don't know how many seasons you got in there. No. And so, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I know tearing your ACL now is not like tearing your ACL like 10 years ago or 15 or 20 right. years ago. There is a rehab that you can get back to playing. But it's still, it takes out, it takes out of you. And, you know, and it always seems like it's still, once you start getting injuries, you know, they start piling up on you a lot quicker as they go. And, you know, Nick had that horrible core injury when mm-hmm. he was in Ohio State, sure. and you know, it's just it's adding wear and tear to the body, and you know, NFL bodies can only go so long. So you uh, know, I mean, so. Malik Hooker's had a couple injuries now. He, yeah. he, what he ruptured his Achilles, didn't he? Yeah. Or at least that's that's the last I heard of it. And so Paris, they said Paris didn't tear anything, but he's going to be out for significant. Yeah, he, he hurt his knee. Yeah, I mean, so. that wasn't just those guys. Christian McCaffrey got hurt. Yeah, it was a bad week this week for NFL injuries. Yeah, that's – I mean, really, the, the time you spend during the summer playing preseason games, you know, it's it does help your body get ready for it. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what we're going to touch on in the NFL. And then just uh, – we're going to now finish up. This is part six of our Super League. So this is the playoffs. Let's wrap the Super so. League up. All right, so we've as we went into the previous weeks, we have eight divisions. There's six teams per division, so it's 48 teams. So it's pretty simple. You're going to have eight conference, eight divisional champions going on in the playoffs. Now, what we're still keeping is you play a divisional championship game. Right. Now, the cool thing about this is we are kind of using NFL rules here. So... It's overall record determines your division champs, your two division teams. Those division records only go in as tiebreakers. So what I mean by that is that now if there's two teams vying for one spot, you know, like Ohio State and Penn State are both, you know, same record, same record. They both they're both 10 and two, you know, so they have the same record. They're both first place. You know, one's first place, one's second place. So it's a natural type. Ohio record. State beat, you know, Penn State during the season. Ohio State is the, you know, they the win. The, they're the one seed. Right. You know, and you play your home game. So it, pl- it gets played in Columbus. Um, that's how it, these are going to be played. Um, now, if it's a third team goes in, that's where, you know, your actual division record. So say, you know, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan are all nine and three, you know, 
those two are three and two, and Ohio State's four and one. Ohio State, the four and one puts them into the number one spot, and then the other two, then your head to head decides that. So that's how that gets broken down. So there is one rule to the division games, the these division championships. You have to be six and six to make it. Yeah. So if you because you have to have seven wins to go into the playoffs. So if you're six and six, if you win that game, that gives you your seventh win. Um, so you, only winning teams can go into the into our eight team playoff. So that's the rule. If you one of your if somebody if like say Penn State, we'll say Penn State, if they're five and seven, they can't get to seven and six. The you right. know, so it's the next best team in the country. Whoever that is gets to go into that playoff. Gets to spot. go in that playoff set. And only then after that, if you cannot find another team, does five and seven Penn State get the possibly advance to go in. Um so that's that's the rule. And it's just because, you know, I you know, you hear all these that still kind of makes it that regular season games still matter. You have to win. You can't just rely on just beating your division. You got to win these games. You got to come out and you got to win. Yeah. Plain and simple. Sure. Um, so you get your eight champions of your divisions. That goes into your eight-team playoff. Um, so how it gets set up is pretty simple after that. And then at this point, you rate them. One to eight. So one plays eight, right. two and seven. Do your seating then. The seating gets and at that point. Um, right now, there's six New Year's Six Bowls. So that's the easiest way. Every year, four of those of those six are your quarterfinal games. The other two are your semifinal games. And then the national championship is a spot that gets picked. So And then those rotate. So two of the four two of the quarterfinal games from the previous year, they get bumped up the semifinals for the following year and so on. It's the, so they'll be on a three year thing, you know, mm-hmm. all six. So every, you'll have two years where all four, all four, all six of those, two of those years, they will be quarterfinals and one year they will be semifinals. Um, so, and then you have your four networks. So the four networks, pretty easy, how it gets broken down. All four networks get one con- quarterfinal game, um, two of the four get to the semifinals with the other two getting the following year. And then all four go one through four who gets the, you know, the playoffs one right. gets one year, the championship one gets one year, the next, the next year. And so on. That makes sense. So, I mean, it's pretty simple at this point. The, really the only caveat to get thrown in there is you got to have that. You got to be win unless there's no other winning teams left in the country. You have to have a winning record. And, and that's just, like I said, that's just so, I mean, there is going to be losses to these teams. I mean, you're going to go find out where teams like Ohio State and Alabama that are used to having one loss or go undefeated are going to have three losses on their schedule because yeah. you're playing legitimate teams throughout the year. So you st- going 9-3 and three is not a bad thing. You get to play good competition through the year, but you still got to be in one of those top two spots. Yeah. So just your thoughts real quick. No, I mean, I like that, that you can't have a losing record and go to the playoffs. You shouldn't, you know, you got to be able, you got to be a winner to get there. So I like that, you know, there is still something there on the table that you can't just rely on winning that conference championship to get in. Yeah. And at least we have that. And, you know, and you can also just rely on, you know, if Penn State only wins, you know, if they win only five games, but they all five of their wins are against your whole division, 
somebody would say, well, they won five games against their division. They should be in. Well, no, if Ohio State and Michigan are both have, you know, maybe Michigan has right. two three losses and Ohio State has two losses and okay they both lost to Penn State but they have much better records right those, they did better those are the two teams that are playing for your divisional championship yeah I like that that I think that's better because they're playing the same type of competition each year so whoever has the best overall record should be the one that gets to play for the title yeah so good way to fit uh you know to end that that's kind of my thought um and they probably do some chart breakdowns yeah. to kind of show and Buckeyes. It. Buckeyes win the first one. Yeah, um, but you know, kind of our thought process of why we wanted to do that and do the Super League is we do want to see it, mm-hmm. um, but also remember that the Big Ten wasn't playing football when we the first decided to do it. <laughs> um, so you know, because nothing like that should ever happen to college football. That it's that split up that. Power conferences aren't playing, and other power conferences are. So, yeah, so that needs that is something that, if anything gets taken from this, whether the Super League is adopted or not, there has to be a way to ensure that this madness never happens again. Yeah, they need a they need one commissioner. Yeah, that's just in charge of these, and then you just play each other. And there's such a separation between the the haves and have-nots, and even you know, and the difference just the different what they're trying to get out of the seasons and yeah i think it would be better for everybody you know the 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 schools that don't that are just in it to be in it they don't really care how many games they're losing a season and stuff right they're not really helping your conference out and this way you know let's separate those teams so they're playing they're actually get to play a legitimate schedule for themselves too and they might actually win their national championship and you know a purdue could win a national championship in their their whatever division that's yeah. in so you know that'd be the next division down but so and that'd be awesome for those teams that don't really have a realistic shot that they do get a chance now to win a national title yeah so um like i said i'll throw up some graphics to remind everybody who's all in it and stuff as we over the next couple uh, weeks, the just like a remind everybody. Mm-hmm. So you know, any comments you want ever, anybody wants to throw, I love debating that. That's just kind of a fun topic. It was a topic before we hit the season, so now it's full stretch on yeah. the season. So any closing thoughts tonight? Uh, no, not really. I mean, just excited to see more games this week. Um, we're going to see more practices coming up. We're going to, you know, of course, get more press conferences with coaches with players as the weeks go by so i'm definitely excited to see what's going to go on with the buckeyes but no i don't really nothing crazy on closing thoughts you know go buckeyes um trying to think i haven't really watched anything new lately i was going to tell people to check something out but i don't i don't really have anything for i've been watching how i met your mother again so i've watched that a couple times (laughs) this show's hilarious i mean if you haven't seen that one you definitely should check it out because that's a classic um but no i don't Really nothing else. Just, you know, hope everyone has a good weekend. Yeah. And I just wanted to end the show as uh, we did get some kind of sad news within the Buckeye family this morning. Um, You know, um, anybody who obviously Buckeye fans, everybody knows James Laurinaitis. Uh, James's father passed away uh, this morning. Um, Joe, the animal Laurinaitis, of course, you know, we grew up on old school. Uh, it was WWF then. It's, you know, WWE now. So, I mean, we remember the the, the Legion of Doom, and the Road Warriors. The Road Warriors before so. that. If the Road Warriors were not your favorite tag team in the 80s and early 90s, 
you, my friend, don't have a pulse because there was nothing better than hearing Hulk. Oh, what a rush. Yeah. And they, I mean, they even have the crowd reaction. They call it a Road Warrior pop because of how much people loved and the reaction that people would give when they would hear, you know, Hulk say that. So, um, no, yeah. that's it's terrible. I love I love those guys. They're yeah, both gone so now. We both uh, just from our growing up being wrestling fans. Those were uh, those were the the good old days of wrestling, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. When there was actual legitimate tag teams, when tag teams themselves were now it wasn't just the individual superstars, but tag teams were you know pushed too. And yeah. you know you had some great tag teams back in the day, but. They were definitely my favorite tag team, and um, so and uh, they wore I, shoulder pads with spikes. And I remember when uh, when James when he committed, and like of course nobody in Ohio knew who the hell James was. No, and, then when he, and that's when you first somebody mentioned it's like his father was a WWE superstar, uh, the Animal. <laughs> like you knew who the Animal was right, and so but you know James ended up having an unbelievable both college and pro career, and I just. You know, the heart, my heart breaks for him, you know, especially, you know, his dad was only 60 and, you know, just growing up, you know, rooting for his dad as a wrestler than to, you know, rooting grow for up him as a player, as a athlete. So, you know, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to James and his family yep. as uh, they deal with this difficult time. But sure. so I think we'll wrap it up from there. All right. Hi, right, Mike. I'm John. Thanks for coming out to the Buckeye Bar tonight, everybody. O-H. I-O. I-O.